So Emily, I know um, we left off last season talking a lot yeah. about the infamous ghost pipe. Um, do you have any? Do you have any updates on that? Yeah. Did it change your life? Did demons appear? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've taken a bit of a break from ghost fight. We had quite an intimate encounter. <laughs> that's the vibe um, I get from ghost pipe is that it's like really intense and like you just kind of have to distance yourself at some point and come back to it when you're ready like just its presence I was like okay this is enough what you're doing for me is enough just by its presence but um I was traveling like right after I harvested the ghost pipe and our guest today helped me make it into a tincture and it was brewing for like six to eight weeks and I was traveling. So I gave it to, um, my sister to just like stir. And I felt like also I was like, ghost pipe seems like one of those plants that if I leave, like I should give it to someone to like watch. Like, I don't know. It just (laughs) felt like having it chill in my closet in my room. Like I needed to make sure it had a companion. So I gave it to Heidi and I was like, just give a little stir every now and again. She's like, okay. And, um, when I came back, she brought like the Mason jar and like put it back in my room on my bureau. Um, and the next thing I know, the next thing I remember is like kneeling, like hands and knees in my bed, like spitting something out of my mouth. And I don't even, I, it's weird because if I, I feel like usually if I wake up in the middle of the night, I like know what I'm doing. Like I'm like going to the bathroom or like, I remember like, oh, I went downstairs and got a drink of water. But all I remember from this experience was like, like blurs and just like random flashes of memory. Like I remember like spitting something out and then I remember trying to sleep, but everything in my bed was wet. And I remember like, fe- like, like tasting in my mouth, like something interesting so I but I was just like trying to go back to sleep it's weird I didn't like wake up like I it was as if I was having a dream and you had taken it at this point or it was just in your presence oh no it was just in my presence well I didn't know what what happened but then in the morning I like roll over I'm like what the heck is going on in my bed right now and in my like body and I see the open jar of ghost pipe tincture like in the middle of my floor, like in the middle of my room, the mason jar lid is unscrewed next to it. And I only have, like, I can only surmise that I obviously got up in the middle of the night, opened the mason jar, took a drink, and then like put it on the ground in the middle of my room and like started spitting it out of my bed. That was my welcome home from Ghost Pipe. <laughs> and I felt so interesting. <laughs> I remember I got a Marco Polo from you the next day and you were like, I think I'm high. <laughs> Six hours. I was, I, I was like, I think I just drank Ghost Pipe. <laughs> yeah, okay. I usually recommend to take like two to three drops. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, wonder you were like, vomiting it profusely Emily took a big glug in the middle of the night (laughs) but the weirdest thing like it felt like a horror movie that it was just like in the middle of my floor 
like unscrewed. Like I obviously placed it because it's, it's to the top. So I didn't like throw it. Like I placed it very carefully in the middle of my room. I have no recollection of this. And I'm not like a sleepwalker. Like I'm not. Yeah. Okay. So that's ghost pipe. And um, he is, I feel like it's a he to me. Like he's been a little bit needy and I'm like, you need to go away. <laughs> he's just like, oh, you haven't seen me in six weeks. You need to drink my contents. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it wasn't enough to just be in your room with you. No. He needed more. <gasps> Welcome to the fifth element. A podcast for people seeking intimate connection with their innermost self through holistic healing, cosmic consciousness, and radical rebirth. We hope each episode is an opportunity for listeners to join the collective journey towards intuition and integration. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of herbs. (laughs) Yes. Today we have um, a very special guest, my go-to herbalist and hair healer and plant identifier, Arielle. So Arielle, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. Um, thank you for having me here. My name is Arielle. Um, I started my adult life being a hairdresser. And then after um, my daughter was born, I was kind of catapulted into this world of sovereignty and wanting to leave the system in all ways that I could. And so I started really diving deep into herbalism and to kind of take like medical responsibility for myself and my family. Um, And then with that journey came like freeing myself from the hair industry as well. And so now I work, um, I work virtually with women, helping themselves get rid of all the chemicals in their shampoo cabinet and ditch their shampoo altogether um, in favor of like natural items. And then I also have a small apothecary where I sell herbs and tinctures that I make myself. Mm. Amazing. So what was it with your, um, you mentioned the birth of your daughter as like a catalyst. What about it? You know, what was your life like before? Were you just kind of doing the normal mainstream allopathic medical thing that we all do? Or were you already sort of on a path and then your birth woke you up even more? Or what was that process like? The best way I can describe it is I was like experimenting with allopathy <laughs> because um, you know how like you grow up a certain way and then you go, you go to college and you like do all the things you're not supposed to do. So like for me, that was like, I think the first time I took antibiotics was like 23. <laughs> like I was working oh. on and I was sick. My mom had always been very into natural remedies. Um, she was very into like autonomy and she just could never find a a medical provider that would respect our autonomy. I mean, I have so many memories of her yelling at doctors during like our physicals, um, you know, like really having to set really firm boundaries around like, you know, certain things, tests they were trying to run and stuff like that. Um, and so I, um, was familiar. She wasn't like, my mom wasn't an herbalist or anything, but I was familiar with natural remedies and I had a general like distaste or distrust of the medical model growing up. And, um, 
then I started to kind of, you know, try and find my own way in my early twenties. And, um, I'll never, like, I'll never forget. I was sick at my salon and I was working and all the girls were like, you need to go to urgent care. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go to urgent care. They don't have anything for me. So I go to urgent care and I get a Z pack and I take one. And then like an hour later, I was like, I feel amazing. This is great. (laughs) Yeah, this this is an antibiotic. So um, I was kind of in this realm where I was like, you know, kind of getting into, um, that like I was just kind of experiment, like flirting with it a little bit. Um, and also this is at the time when like, you know, I'm starting to make like really adult decisions for my life. You know, like at this time I was like getting married, um, we we're planning to have a baby. And so of course, like nothing else crossed my mind than to just like go to the doctor. Right. Like that's what you do. You get pregnant and you book an appointment with your OB. And so, um, kind of through pregnancy. And I see this happen to a lot of women. Um, and I, I kind of attribute it to like, you know, during pregnancy, like the veil thins so much. And like, I feel like you're so much more open to like the influence of, um, you know, like your ancestors and like, you know, the people in your life guiding you. Um, it's just like this really sacred time. And so a lot of women tend to get into more, like more grounded and more get back to the earth. And like what, you know, we kind of think of when we think of like old women, witchy like behavior, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and what we liked to do before it was kind of like taken from us and those rituals and we had our power given away. So of course I started to like refine that and I, um, you know, found a midwife and ultimately ended up learning through my birth experience that like even midwifery is like a construct of the allopathic model. And like a lot of women get let down in that system. And a lot of women leave that system with a lot of trauma, myself included. And so I just knew, like, I remember having this vivid thought of like, you know, I had just had a C-section with my daughter and, um, you know, they had like, put her on my chest for the first time. And I just remember having this thought, like, you know, I am the only one that can ever prevent this from happening to us again. Like I will never let this happen to like where like someone else is in charge of like our well-being. You know what I mean? Because this is what happens when you give your power away. And like now I'm a mom and like I can't ever let that happen to like my daughter, you know, after what just happened to me. And like, because it happened to me, it happened to her too. So Mm. yeah, that just kind of catapulted me on this journey to be like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to reject this model and I'm not going to do it, like, you know, I've already had the prep work done from the way I grew up. Like I really need to take responsibility for this choice and like, make sure that like I'm prepared, you know what I mean? And like, I know what I'm doing. Um, and so I just started reading. <laughs> <laughs> and as you were getting away from the system, were you like having conversations with like people in your life? Like what was the reaction from other people or did you feel supported or was that not even something that you felt you needed at the time? Um, as a new mom, it's like really natural to like seek for validation because everything's so new, you know, like everything's like, I don't know what's normal. I don't know what's not. We're generally bred as new moms and like as women to like not have a trust over like what's going on in our bodies. And so that extends to our children. You know, we're taught to like hand our children off. 
to the doctor. They know best. Go see the pediatrician every two months. Make sure everything's okay, which is so funny because, like, we as parents know our when our kids are okay or not, you know. Right. Um, and so it was. There was a lot of untangling of that, where like I was trying to find the validation that I needed um, to like have someone tell me I was doing a good job, but like also. I like didn't have anyone in my community to like give me the validation in that way. Like the way that I needed, it was always like, what would your pediatrician say? Or like, you know, stuff like that. And, um, but like, you know, it's funny when you make these choices, you tend to get like initiated pretty hardcore. And my daughter was like sick all the time. Like the first year of our life, she was just sick the whole time. And so I had a lot of practice. <laughs> Um, and so by the end of that first year, you know, we were, we had a pretty good groove going of like what to do when we got sick. And like, you know, I started kind of being more of like a beacon in my community for women who's when, you know, women who had had several kids and their kids just didn't get sick all the time. And so when they did, they didn't know what to do, but they're like, well, Ariel's daughter gets sick all the time. I'm going to call her because I don't want to call the doctor, you know? Um, so it just kind of there was like this level of initiation that I think happens when you like make a commitment where sometimes you get stuff back from the universe that you wouldn't normally get to like, mm -hmm. you know, prep you like, okay, this is what you wanted. Here you go. Seriously. Yeah. And were, were herbs like the portal into this for you? Um, or you said you started reading a lot. Was that just like the natural like first step or was there another way that they kind of entered into your space? Um, no, and I think it was just herbs and I don't really know what the appeal was for me because I've never been like a super like nature type person. Like I don't like going camping. I don't like spending, I've never liked spending time outside, you know, like I don't have indoor plants. Um, and so I don't know what the appeal was of that. The herbs, I mean, now it's completely different. I just love to go like play barefoot in my garden, but, um, I like, yeah, I just think I had found like a book for like, it was like a $7 book called like Herbs for Children's Health. That was the first book on herbalism I ever read. And um, it was just like so easy. It was like 35 or 40 pages. And I read the whole thing and I like had like a notebook full of information. And like from there, I was just like able to like figure it all out. And then I kind of collected more and um, you know, during that time as well, I was trying to heal some of my birth trauma and my nervous system was so unregulated and I was just like still stuck in like fight or flight from like that experience all the time. And, um, you know, like typical PTSD symptoms, like I'd wake up in, at three o'clock in the morning with like flashbacks of like the C-section experience or like, um, I would be, you know, my, my, my shoulders and my jaw were always tight. Like I was always like low key irritation, like fight or flight. And so when I had that realization, I realized like, oh, I can actually rely on herbal medicine for this. Um, and so I started working with different forms of, um, like plant medicine in that way too, to kind of help re-regulate my nervous system. And so that's kind of like this, this area that I've gotten in with, herbalism is like ch children and family health and then also like the nervous system piece what a lot of people would say like anxiety or depression but like I see it kind of more as like nervous system regulation mm -hmm. um and so those are kind of my two areas that I really like to focus on yeah I can relate to not really 
feel like Keely has a natural affinity towards plants, herbs. Like I feel like you just knew a lot more than me. And I always felt like I, I was like, I know that these would be a good addition to my life, but I have no idea where to start, what they're useful for. Like, and it took a while for me to sort of like mentally untangle and like come to a place where I feel like I've come in a lot of other areas of my life of like, this is what was used originally. Like these are the the helpers and like the medicines, exactly like you're saying, like I just had this kind of one, honestly, I feel like I kind of equated them with essential oils, which I know that you're a big advocate, like advocate for, well, advocate for like using the plants. And so I kind of was like, I feel like I just had this weird image of even what herbal medicine was or, or yeah, what to use things for. And so it was like a whole new world to kind of look at everything from the perspective of like a little bit of like an ancestral challenge of like, okay, what did people use before antibiotics, before any other sort of, you know, pharmaceutical and you, you know, this I'm sure, but I remember reading about how like pharmaceuticals are based off of the compounds of plants. Can you speak more to that? Yeah. So like 85, 85% of pharmaceutical drugs on the market are based off of, or they're not based off of, they're actually like, they're formulated around isolated plant constituents. Um, okay. And the reason behind that being is like, we can't, you can't patent a plant, right? Like you can't make money off of a plant, but what you can do is you can, you know, put money into studying the active constituents of a plant and what those active parts do. Now an herbalist knows that like every constituent in a plant has a role and they all kind of work together like a family to prevent side effects and keep like equilibrium and harmony in the body. Um, Now what pharmaceutical medicine does is they'll take out one constituent or like a group of constituents from the plant and then they'll, you know, mix it with binders and fillers and, you know, maybe other things, you know, whatever, and, you know, make it time released and happy in a pretty package. Um, and that they can patent and that they can make money off of. And that also comes with side effects um, because there's not the like innate intelligence, you know, anymore of the plant. So a perfect example of this, um, there's two examples I really like to use. Um, there's a component, an isolate from star anise that is used to make um, Tamiflu. So that's like the main ingredient in like the antiviral thing that you get when you go after you get diagnosed with influenza. Um, but we know that that has like a ton of side effects, but like star anise is used like culinarily all over the world. It's like totally fine, right? Uh-huh. Um, and then um, meadowsweet is an herb that is really rich in salicylic acid. And that is what they use for like the main ingredient in aspirin is like salicylic acid based. And so aspirin and salicylic and uh, meadowsweet are actually very similar, but the difference is, is that with aspirin, you know, like if you take it for too long, you can end up with stomach issues, right? Mm-hmm. Because like pretty hard on your stomach. Um, and meadowsweet naturally has other components in it that are very coding to the system, to the digestive tract. And so it naturally, when you're taking meadowsweet, it naturally forms a protective barrier around your stomach to protect it from the salicylic acid. So you get that benefit 
of the salicylic acid, but you also get the benefit of like the, the coating as well so that your digestive tract isn't harmed. Um, but you know, when you isolate the salicylic acid and put it somewhere else, you don't get, you're not bringing that coating with it. Right. So. Wow. So basically they're just, yeah, they're just co-opting plants. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like essential oils to that degree are the same thing too. Right. Which is why we say use whole plants because you have that isolated constituent and then you don't get the rest of the benefit of the whole plant. And so just properties are naturally exploited, you know, and things can happen. Yeah. Well, and energetically, like if you are taking like medication to like go back to equilibrium, to like feel whole, to not have like, you know, whatever symptom you're experiencing, like pulling you away from that consciousness, then like it will never work with something that has been separated from its wholeness. Totally. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a perfect. It's profound, Keely. This is insane. Of course this wouldn't work, but of course this is how like the pharmaceutical industry has to run because it it heals you just enough to make you come back for more, but it doesn't actually address the root cause of anything. If anything, it causes more problems. So it creates this cycle of codependency, which again, genius on their part, but like, it's not doing what they're telling us it's going to do. Yeah. We're plants. (sighs) Yeah. Um, So I know that you are, well, even just the word, herbalist like that title like I feel like all of us have heard that but maybe don't even know what that means or um Mm -hmm. what you do and you know if you need to have any qualifications or certifications or anything like that so can you talk just a bit about like what what um transpired between you finding that book and now of course you are a known herbalist and like have an apothecary so what were the steps that you took to call yourself that and to like just gain more knowledge and experience along the way um yeah so I'm what you'd say I'm completely self-study um so I've never taken any like classes like like paid money to take classes for like any form of um education um I've done a lot of books. I've done a lot of reading. Um, I've spent a lot of time with like the plants and outside and experimenting and making my own medicines. Um, but I think there's, there's actually in the U S there's no, there's no requirement to call yourself an herbalist. Um, but we've been so conditioned to think that like we need permission to do anything and we need like a qualifier to like be able to give ourselves a title um, that a lot of people want to be an herbalist. And so they just go sign up for a herbalism one-on-one program. You know what I mean? And like learn. Um, and I'm glad I didn't go that route because I've come to learn even deconstructing an herbalism. Like there's so much, there's so many layers, how like allopathy has like influenced herbalism and like, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of like really deep fear in the herbalism industry of like, causing problems of herbs messing things up you know of you know always um you know being really tiptoeing around like most herbalists know like every every herbalism herbalist knows the same thing but there's just this like really big fear of like presenting it to the public in a positive way without a bunch of disclaimers Mm -hmm. um 
And I feel yeah. like that, yeah, like, you know, call your doctor before you, you know, if you're pregnant. I've don't seen them like every, like, I feel like on Instagram posts or websites, like the, yeah, like this is not used to diagnose. Like I'm not diagnosing anything. I'm not prescribing anything. Yeah. So yeah. And I feel like that is like that fear is continued to be bred in herbalism schools. And I think that obviously, I don't even think it's the herbalism school's fault. I just think that people are, you know, doing what they can to like survive and, um, feel safe, you know? And so. Cause someone could sue you and say, you gave me medical advice and this happened or what's the, what's the protective barrier there or measure? I mean, I don't even really know what, I mean, I know in theory, like the FDA can come after you for giving medical advice, um, charged like for in person, like, um, if there was a bad outcome, um, kind of in the same context of like, um, like traditional midwifery or like we're keeping, like, if there's a bad outcome, um, you know, you could in theory be like witch hunted and charged with like, um, practicing medicine without a license, you know? Um, and it, it all comes back to, you know, this system of how like these things were ours back in the day. And then they were stolen from us in the way, in the name of like, um, you know, regulation and certification and allopathic medicine. And, you know, we were stripped of our titles as healers and birth workers and midwives and, um, now we are reclaiming that, but there's this deep, like ancestral wound of like feeling like we need to do it safely so that that doesn't happen to us again. And I think that, um, that's our way to do it now. You know what I mean is to give a million disclaimers and talk to your doctor first. We're always like, like, you know, submitting to the authority of like the doctor, or the certification board or whatever, and making it clear that like, they know more than we do, but that's not my reality, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I don't have any certifications proudly. It took me, there's a lot of different qualifiers, like words you can use to like state your qualification as an herbalist. Um, so like most people would call me a folk herbalist, which means I just learned how to like, you know, I don't have like a background in clinical herbalism. I just kind of do like, you know, folk medicine and remedies. Um, or you could also say like family or community herbalist. It's just like someone who makes remedies for their community. Um, and then there's like clinical herbalism, which is someone who's like studied. Right. And those people generally work one-on-one -on -one with people in a very, like sometimes an allopathic way of like, give me your symptoms. A lot of clinical herbalists will also look at like harmony in the body and have a better approach, you know, but, um, there's a lot of allopathic clinical herbalists out there too that I've noticed. Um, but I stopped using that qualifier because I felt like saying, calling myself a folk herbalist or a hobby herbalist was like a, um, it was like a, it was an insult to the industry to like say that like one was better than the other. You know what I mean? Or like mm -hmm. it was an insult to like, it like, it like was perpetuating that witch wound, right. Of like, where I had to be like, Oh, I don't have, I don't have certification. I'm just folk, you know, I just, I just do it in for the community. Um, and so now I call myself an herbalist and then people just assume I have a certification until I tell them I don't, which is kind of sad because that's not, you know what I mean? Like, but that just shows like why, um, why I use just the word herbalist and not that that qualifier because I'm trying to deconstruct that in the industry, you know? Yeah. Can you speak a little bit um, more to the um, like idea of like 
family herbalism or like remedies? Um, what does that look like for a household? Um, in my household, it looks like kind of being like facilitating the healing process, I guess you could say. So like, um, and you know, like I'll, I'll harp on this forever. Like back in the day, like all women had like a little stash. She had like a little herbal garden in the back next to her regular garden and she knew her stuff. And like, you know, she was able to care for her family in a certain way. Um, and if things got beyond her level, she would go, you know, to like the community herbalist or like the witch on the hill, you know, but, um, and so for me, it looks like that, you know, like I have, um, I have a shelf of remedies, you know, or whatever, um, that work in different ways. And depending on what happens when my family's not feeling well, I mean, you know, sometimes they'll ask for things on demand for me and they know what they like. Other times I'll just make like a big old pot of soup with a bunch of herbs in it that I know is going to be healing and help support their bodies in the healing process. Um, you know, just my daughter's a really big fan of like herbal infused honey. So like, knowing what she needs. And when she asks me for honey every day, I give her a different spoonful of a different kind, you know, based on like what her, where her nervous system's at or what she's doing. Um, if she's not feeling well or whatever. And, um, yeah, just kind of like being in tune with like the rhythms of your family and using herbs, not even necessarily in like that, like come here, take your medicine type of way, but just to kind of like help support that flow. I mean, we're all family herbalists to an extent. If you've ever made a pot of soup and, you know, added like turmeric or ginger, you know, like you're making medicine. So. It just made me think as you were talking, like thinking about your daughter being sick so much her first year of life and how, how I've been starting to, look at sickness is like healing responses, right? Like trying on this, this um, paradigm. And that would make so much sense of like the trauma that you both went through and her, you know, first whole year is like her body's trying to regulate and she's, she's healing like these huge experiences and how beautiful that you like in tandem were like, working and studying to like support her healing and now she like is this little mini herbalist that has and I you know such an innate idea of what her body needs it's like amazing yeah. um and I love thinking like you're like my witch on the hill I'm like Ariel what plan is this what do I do make a tincture um yeah that's so cool so where does the hair so you're a hairdresser this whole time, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're studying herbal medicine and you're working at a salon. Like how does, how are you integrating that? And, and when does it shift for you that, that hair styling is also part of the system? So I, you know, I'm working behind the chair. I have my own little one chair studio, um, doing hair and my clients are starting to recognize me as like an herbalist. Right. And so they're starting to ask questions. Um, and you know, I'm selling some of my tinctures in my studio. So a lot of my clients have at this point, like tried my medicines, um, you know, like have really good things to say about them. And things are starting to get, there's like requests that are starting to get more complicated. Um, 
you know, at the same time, I'm, I'm really like deconstructing myself from like, you know, like I didn't like, you know, my mom used a lot of like natural cleaning methods growing up and like, you know, like we didn't have, like, we didn't use a lot, like my mom, like never shampooed her hair. And I remember always yelling at her in hair school to like shampoo her hair, you know? Um, but like we, and so I'm at this at home, you know, like detoxing all these things from my life again, like throwing out, you know, my toxic lotion that is the same bottle of lotion I've had since college. And I'm just carrying it around. I never use it, you know, because it's like, smells like fragrance um you know like I'd stopped using body wash again because I noticed that like oh when I use body wash I need lotion right um but I'm also like learning like that these things aren't good for our bodies right I'm learning the ways the reasons why we don't use them I'm learning about fragrances endocrine disruptors I'm learning about these things and so a lot of my clients are coming to me asking me these really um, you know, asking me for advice in these areas of like things like endometriosis and PCOS and, you know, they've been to their doctors and their doctors have totally gaslighted them. And they're saying like, I know I have PCOS, you know what I mean? Or I know like I've had endometriosis for, you know, this long and I can't get a doctor to like support. Literally I had someone be like, I've been to like 15 doctors and I can't get a doctor to write me a pain medicine prescription without me agreeing to getting a hysterectomy, you know? Oh my God. um, Things like this that like, you know, and, but there's just this weird conflict of interest there because as they're telling me this, I'm putting products on their hair that I know are linked to these things, right? They have ingredients linked to these things. And of course it's not just the hair product, right? It's like the whole big picture of like, you know, but like, how can I say, what are you using at home? Are you lighting candles? Do you use those plug-in sprays to make your house smell good? Are you using fabric softener? You can't use that. Like you have to, you know, like this is the first step of like reducing estrogen dominance is like to get rid of like literally every single scent in your home. And then I'm bumping something on their hair and they're like, oh, that smells good. What is it? And I'm like, estrogen, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) it's terrible. So, you know, at first I was trying to like play the with, in the rules and like trying to find more natural products, you know, um, and that worked for a little bit, but what I found is like, even the natural products, I mean, you know, if you follow me on social media, you know, that I talk about essential oils, having endocrine disrupting activities as well. And like being estrogen, um, mimicking estrogen, being estrogenic, anti-androgenic in the body. And like, you know, every natural hair care product is like full of essential oils, you know, um, I didn't really feel good using those on my clients either. And, you know, the final piece was like in my critiques of like these systems in herbalism, like I had this big critique of certification and this big critique of like the allopathic model and, um, you know, this big critique of like licensed midwifery, right? Because they were the ones that like put me in this like traumatic situation or like helped me co-created this traumatic situation. And, um, I started to like, be like, okay, like, how am I contributing to this? How am I contributing to these systems? Realizing that I held a license by my state, um, to do hair. Like I'm licensed by my state to be a licensed cosmetologist and knowing how I felt about licensure and certification. It just felt like so 
I started to notice a lot of parallels, right? Like I started to notice a lot of parallels between like gaslighting that I, me or my clients or my friends had received from the medical model. And then like ways that like as hairdressers, we also like gaslight our clients and like teach them they don't, we know more about their body than they do or are constantly taught to like assume that like they are lying to us. You know, it's like when you go to, everyone's heard, like you go to the doctor for a physical and they ask you how many times a drink you, a week you drink and whatever number you say, they multiply it by four because they, they're just taught not to believe you. Right. That's like a conditioning thing. Right. Um, we're taught that in hair school, you know, like ask them the last time they colored their hair, but what you're, 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 you know, and they're going to give you an answer, but really you're going to be looking at the hair because their answer is going to be wrong. They don't know. Um, or like, you know, our job, you know, we took so many classes on like consultating consultations and like consulting with clients about like the hair color they want. And like, it's our job to like re-educate them on like how they see color and how they see their own hair and like basically like manipulating and gaslighting the situation to like, um, like make the client believe that like their hair only does what we can do, you know? Um, Again, like promoting that, like they have to keep coming back to you because you're the expert and they can't decide for themselves even what they want to look like every day. Yeah. Like, like, oh, don't like just, or like that, that like just so many little things that like, I'm sure we've all said like, oh, don't get mad at me. I trimmed my own hair. I trimmed my own bangs. Um, you know, yeah. and like, like, it's your hair. You can do it. If you want to shave your head, you can shave your head. You can literally do whatever you want. It's your body, you know? So like just those little things that like, we've just like slowly start, like we've become, there's that like authority dynamic, right? Um, and I don't believe you can hold a license without that, you know, that authority dynamic. So I have this license that like, doesn't align with me anymore. And I'm like using chemicals on my clients who have chronic illness that like, doesn't feel good to me. And, um, I, so I started just really looking into other realms and I was like, well, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to stop shampooing my hair because, you know, I don't want to use it anymore. I don't want to use it on my daughter. Um, and so I stopped shampooing my hair. And then about a year into that, you know, I kind of, I worked out a really good system and routine for myself. And I, um, I met another woman who, um, was doing the same thing in the industry, but for like color. And she also had some, um, so we kind of like worked together a little bit and, um, she was able to enhance like my no poo stuff. And I was able to learn about herbal color from her and, um, which is literally just coloring hair with plants. Like it's, there's no, not one chemical in it. And like what I do, there's, it's literally just cleansing the hair with plants or clay and, you know, it's all single ingredients. Um, And that's what I love about it because there's not that level of like scarcity anymore where like, I can give you the information. You can buy products from me. You can buy products from my friend, you know, um, but you can also go to your garden and like pick out the products that you want to use on your hair, or you can go to the store and see what's in the bulk herb section and like buy that and like use that, you know, like you have like control, you know? There's no system that's like keeping you dependent. Um, 
you know, it's, I joke that it's like, everything's like got, oh, gotta be apocalypse proof now, right? <laughs> like what's going to happen when you don't have your antibiotics, if the world like shuts down, you know, you need to learn how to like fend for yourself in that way. And like, same with hair stuff, like nobody's going to care about shampoo when, if something happens. Right. But like this method is like, oh, okay. I can still do my hair and look nice. I want to, yeah. No. And people put so much, yeah, trust in their hairdressers, particularly like there's just even so many like tropes about the hairdresser client relationship, you know, like, and I haven't changed my hair much over the years. Well, I got it cut super short once, but like I've never dyed my hair or anything, but it is so, um, like when women get a bare, bad haircut or even men too. I mean, I feel like it's almost more noticeable on men, but it's like truly emotionally damaging to mm. their like self-esteem. Like, and my sisters, yeah, they both like dyed their hair a ton. And sometimes they'll dye their hair, not be happy with it, go to a completely different salon because they're like scared to go back to their hairdresser. So by the time they like get what they wanted in the first place, they've spent like hundreds of dollars more and just like gone to all these different places and are basically like tiptoeing around like, I don't know, I just like, I don't really like it. I don't want this. And I'm like, this just seems very stressful for no reason. Mm -hmm. Like, and keeping this like weird, it's not weird, but it's, it's an authority, authority dynamic of like, I don't want to tell them that I don't like it. And it's right. like it's literally your it's your like, money it's your money like they work for you you know yeah wild so what does your work look like now you know I think a lot of women are like okay I can't just stop shampooing like my hair you know if I stop shampooing for three days it looks horrible but what what's your general sort of um framework around women or like what you tell women that want to like transition themselves off of hair care and other cosmetology products um yeah so I um I'm completely virtual now so everything I do is like through social media and my website um and yeah, my, my two specialties in like virtual hair care are like what we call no poo, which is like ditching shampoo um, and um, curly hair. So my sovereign curls method. Um, and so it just kind of depends, but like, um, you know, there's herbal cleansers that you can use, um, you know, a lot of different um, shampoo or a lot of different plants are really rich in saponins which like lather when they're wet, um, even like carrot skins. That's if you've ever noticed, like you eat a wet carrot and it tastes kind of soapy, like that's the carrot skins have a lot of saponins in them. So really? <laughs> gonna be like flashing your hair. I have these, well, downstairs right now, I like, well, I bought carrots the other day and I was gonna put them in this soup that I made. And then I was like, no, I don't want them in this soup. So they're just sitting on my counter. And I was like, what am I gonna do with them? But now- <laughs> 
here we go. But they're yeah. black nebula carrots, yeah. so they're like purple. So I'm a, what if they dye my scalp purple? <laughs> First thing could happen. I'll report back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you can eat a raw carrot every day. It helps detox estrogen from your body. There you go. Um, anyway, yeah, so like the, a really popular one that I use is um, Wild Sweet William, or like also, it's also known as Soapwort. Um, it was traditionally used to like cleanse lace. Um, and that's a really good one for, to replace shampoo. So you're not, you're not necessarily like just stop washing your hair altogether. You know, you're just finding alternatives. Um, Russell clay is another really big one. That's kind of my favorite, um, doing like clay masks or like clay rinses on the hair. And that just kind of, it's like really invigorating for the scalp and like pulls off, you know, just like the buildup that happens. Um, scalp care is a really big part of it. Um, since you're not using chemical detergents on your hair, chemical exfoliators, you have to like, you know, you got to care for your scalp in a different way. Um, and then using like herbs customized to like what you want, um, what you're hoping to get from your hair. So like moisturizing herbs, herbs that help control oil, um, herbs that help, um, some herbs help enhance hair color, um, to like create like moisturizing, balancing rinses like to replace your conditioner. So some people will only ever wash their hair with like herbal infusions and they never go for the herbal cleansers. Um, some people, depending on the hair type, will use the herbal cleansers forever. It just kind of depends. Um, but the thing is, is like, now you know, you know, there's like so many different options and like so many different ways to experiment. And, you know, now I have virtual clients messaging me saying like, oh, I've been washing my hair with rye flour. And I'm like, cool, do you like it? And they're like, yeah, it's great. You know, so um, there's just so many endless options once you get into it um, to experiment with, which is really cool. Um, so, yeah. Wow. That's and so I must say, I've been um, no poo since July 2021. And it is so... I didn't know how like liberating it would feel, first of all, but also um, the act now of like caring for my hair is so much more intentional and meaningful than, you know, before just like shampoo, condition, whatever. I, I barely even brushed it, you know? And now that I actually have to, it's the, it's the same thing as taking responsibility for your health. like. Now that I actually have to care for my body, now that I actually have to like care for my hair, it's so much more meaningful. And I'm like brushing it with intention and I'm like doing my rinses and actually like taking time to connect with my hair, which is just so, it's like another added layer of like connection to my body. And yeah, you're in relationship with your hair now. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. And like the liberation of just like, now also that I just, I don't use any product really at all. And I feel like I could just be dropped anywhere and just like survive. Like, whereas obviously everyone can serve, would be able to survive without products, but there's a layer of like, when I'm traveling or when I'm with friends getting ready or whatever, that I don't have all of this extra like stress that needs to happen of like, okay, do we have all the products and the makeup and the shampoo and the lotions? And I'm just like, I totally, it's like, I think all the time about the hours and hours that women are spending 
on like putting products on their bodies. And I just have so much more time now that I'm just like, I don't do anything to, or I like care for my body in different ways now, but the whole rituals of, you know, washing your hair, drying your hair, straightening your hair, putting on your makeup, shaving your body, putting on the lotion, like, wow. It just, it, I didn't realize how much time collectively as like a female species we're spending grooming. And now that I'm doing it in a much more intentional way, um, obviously I'm spending way less time, but way more like energy, I feel like, like actual, like good connective energy to my body rather than this like time suck of disconnection and just like trying to cover up whatever. It's really changed like my life, which sounds dramatic, but like as a Leo rising, it truly has. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah, totally. I hear that all the time. Like I hear that it's like, oh, it's like a ritual or I'm in relationship with my hair or like my hair feels alive now. These products feel alive, you know? Um, and it doesn't feel the same every day. Like I can tell now it's similar to health stuff. Like um, I think I heard you, or maybe it was like a Q and a, you were talking about going in the ocean. And mm -hmm. I feel like when I used to wash my hair all the time and I would like go swimming, it would like, kind of just like feel the same after. And now I can notice like when it feels different and like what it needs and what I need to do. And mm -hmm. it's just like, it is alive. It's communicating yeah. with me. And you're not like deferring your autonomy to a hairdresser to go in and get like chlorine stripped out of your hair. Right. You're like, Oh, I know what my hair needs. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is what it does when it need, when it needs this, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like also just that perception of self and beauty too, like going to someone and believing that they're the expert on what's going to make you like feel beautiful or feel attractive or anything instead of just sourcing that from within or like knowing what you want. Um, oh, yeah you're the only authority like uh, yeah how many times I've heard people new clients come in and be like well I've always wanted bangs but my old hairdresser told me they'd look bad or I really want this do you think do you think I can do that like do you think I can look good with that style oh it's like, so sad of course you can if you want it you know but like they don't know they even if they have a hair you know and these are the same people and then there's also this dynamic of like you know you give someone a haircut and they, and it's a new style and they love it when they leave and then they go home and their husband didn't compliment it or their teenage daughter rolled her eyes at them. And then all of a sudden they hate it and they feel like crap about themselves. And then they come back in and they're like, I just want my old hair back, you know? And it's like this whole layer of like how often we're outsourcing our beauty for like approval for others. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. That's that's a whole other episode to unpack all of that. That's wild. You're really doing like, I feel like it's just so cool to see women in our lives, like doing this work from all different angles. Like I never knew that hair healing and like sovereign, I mean, use the term sovereign beauty, like that as such an important aspect of like our I'm going to say feminism, but I don't mean it like in what a lot of, just like our, our culture and our lives as women. Um, that's such an important piece. And it's so great to know that 
you can come at it from so many different angles, wherever, whatever field you're in industry, what you're passionate about, what your skills are, like, how can you be more sovereign within that? Yeah. How can you find the ways that you're like attached to the system? And then those are the, usually the ways that you can really break free, you know, that's like, can be really powerful and like make waves in your life. You know, everyone's is different, but we're all tied to it one way or another. <sighs> well, anything else you want to add? I think so. I feel like we, we got, we've touched, hit all the points. <laughs> got pretty, yeah. pretty deep and sometimes, so. Thank you. Well, how can women connect with you, Arielle? Um, uh, the best way to like figure out, see what I'm doing is through Instagram. Um, and so just like how my name, I don't know if they'll see this on video, but the way my name's spelled here, Ariel De Martinez, um, that's my handle. And, um, it's my website as well, ariel.demartinez.com. And yeah, that's pretty much the two best ways to get in contact with me. Amazing. And she has a no poo PDF method that you can download. And again, it's like you can, there's so many ideas and options and you can like play with what works for you and your hair type. And then you can also do like one-on-ones with you too. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. I have a no poo PDF. Um, I have a sovereign curls method PDF. And then I have, I do virtual consults for people who like really want like something like super truly customized and don't really like to like play the puzzle game. Mm -hmm. So, and then, yeah, my herbal apothecary is online too. So. Amazing.